When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hith Day. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me is one of the great ATQ writers, Slurms Back Court. How you doing? Very well this evening. Yourself? Not bad. Uh, so, uh, you've been covering basketball for us, both men's and women's, so I figured we'd talk about that today. Uh, I'll start good. on the the men's side. Um, the last time this podcast discussed uh, men's basketball, they had just finished up their two conference opener games, Wazoo and UCLA. They split those two. Um, uh, they are now in a stretch of uh, uh, um, opponents that are sort of overmatched out of conference opponents, um, I guess sort of tuning up before they resume conference play with uh, with uh, Oregon State, Colorado, and, and, and the rest of the conference slate starting um in january uh but they're finishing up uh december um or uh, oregon state's on new year's eve uh but they're finishing up uh, december they've uh they've already played nevada uh uc riverside and the university of portland um and they will conclude that stretch um on tuesday tomorrow recording this on monday night uh with uh, utah valley um which i believe that you are covering slurms yes uh, correct and- at least I hope so. <laughs> we, <laughs> our, Somebody hope, is. Yeah, our, our our Saturday planning meetings appear to be more um, guidelines than rules. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all window dressing, man. All window dressing. Um, but, uh, you know, Oregon won all three of these games pretty comfortably. You know, there was a, a moment or two where, where it was like, oh, hold on a second. But, uh, you know, they, you know, ultimately these were pretty clean wins, uh, you know, against overmatched opponents. I, I'm expecting the same against Utah Valley. Um, uh, what, if anything, have you taken away um, um, from, you know, the, the team over this stretch? Well, one of the things that's that's interesting that started to happen, it's not complete yet, but it started to happen where Oregon is starting to get back some of the players who have suffered injuries, either before the season or at at points during the season uh, competed so far. And they're they're starting now to come back into the lineup and it's starting to make a difference. And particularly the person I'm going to call out is Brennan Rigsby, who um, came came to Oregon with reputation as a shooter. Mm -hmm. And the first game he played was not, not particularly good but since then his his shooting has really he was injured though a, a little bit yes to, yeah like, that's we didn't correct see him at the very beginning of the year that's right and so he mm-hmm. took and you could tell the first game that he came back in you could tell that he was still behind the the speed of the game if you will uh a little bit and and needed to ramp ramp up a little bit to that level of 
uh, competition and performance. And, and so I, I don't know how much playing UC Riverside or Nevada helps with that, but at least, uh, you know, he started to now stroke the ball a little bit from beyond the arc. He's been very aggressive, um, on the boards and, and taking pressure, frankly, off Will Richardson to some degree, uh, on the shooting side of things for, for the guards for Oregon. And he had a, he had, a, he's had a couple of really good games and it's good to see that. And then again, in, you know, their most recent victory, um, over Portland the other night, they had good shooting from several different players. And that's been one of the bugaboos of this team. Uh, almost a carryover from last season where they'd go out and they'd start one for 10 from beyond the three point arc or something mm-hmm. like that. And you're kind of going, my God. Um, and, and there's been a little bit of that again this season. Well, that didn't really happen. And it, you know, three point shooting admittedly, if a defense has good rotation, they can get out on those shooters and make those more difficult shots. But um, Oregon wasn't even making wide open shots in some of these games from, from last season and earlier this season. So it's good to see them start to find the range a little bit because that really helps this team particularly open up um, and follow Dante and the inside game. If they can hit some shots and sort of force the defense to respect the fact that they might hit a three on them if they don't come out and cover them. Well, I, I'll say a couple of things too. That, you know, first of all, in in all three of these non-con games, they've gone with the same five, you know, starting lineup, which you know is an indication the team's getting healthy, and, and maybe an indication that Altman is settling into a you know uh, what he thinks the rotation ought to be. Um, although knowing him, he could blow it up with the beginning of conference play or the resumption of conference play right. uh, for all I know. But, you know, it's been, you know, Soares, Rigsby, uh, you know, Richardson, Dante and Gary. It, it's nice to see that those guys appear to be healthy. Um, you're right about, uh, you know, their most recent game against Portland where, uh, you know, uh, in addition to the five starters who all got at least five points, you know, three bench players got, uh, you know, n- uh, eight points each uh, about, you know, uh, Luke Orr and, and, uh, Tyrone Williams and Khalil Ware, um, and I mean, they're really going deep into the bench, you know, <clears throat> even guys like uh, Gabe Reichel and, and James Cooper and Brady Paris got a, you know, a couple of minutes, you know, off the bench. So like getting healthier, I like that. Having a consistent starting lineup, I get, I like that. I like that they're, everybody's consistently scoring points. I like that the bench is scoring points. Like those are all, you know, good signs. Bad signs uh, include, um, they haven't, I, I don't really think they played a complete game offensively like, you know, just, you know, the, the three point shooting is, uh, you know, uh, against, uh, Nevada and against Portland was pretty good, you know, better than 33% and they're shooting better than 50% from the floor, but against, you know, uh, UC Riverside, you know, they only hit four three pointers, um, mm-hmm. on 14 attempts, which is bad. Like right. that's, you know, you're, you're, you're hurting your team at that point. Yes. Um, and then free throw shooting. I mean, like anything less than a hundred percent is unacceptable to me. Like I, you know, hit your yeah, free throws, dude. Right. Um, Absolutely. But like, 
you know, they're, they're not even close, you know, like they missed six free throws, uh, against Riverside. They missed, uh, seven, uh, uh, uh or excuse me, they missed seven against Riverside. They missed six against, uh, uh, Nevada and, uh, and, and, oh my God, they, they missed, uh, uh, what's six plus three, nine, they missed nine out of 23 free throws, uh, against Portland. And like, yeah. that's, that, you know, like, look, I, I understand. And we're, the reason we're talking about like off- offensive stats is because like, this is kind of, I mean, these games, they're not practice, obviously they count and they're real and they're, you know, and they're, they're important. And I'm not trying to like dismiss the opponents or anything. I'm just saying that like, if you knew nothing about the opponent, right. you know, you can look at certain stats, which are, you only take three point shots. Like nobody's taken con- contested threes in the college level. Like that's a, NBA thing. Um, and even the NBA, they're just shooting it from half court at this point because they're so freaking strong. Um, like, you know, your, th- your three point shooting is basically, did you sufficiently engineer your pass around to get an open look and, and then having an open look, do, you know, how on target were you when you're looking for about a 33%, you know, success rate and for shooting free throws, like there is no defense on a free throw. Right. There's no court yeah. position. There's no pass around. And all of these are at homes. So it's not like you have to deal with the, the, the rim bouncing up and down you know right some, people waving you know, signs and you're right exactly you know it's like you know how are you know how your free throw percentage can be less than 100 percent. you know if you you want to play in the nba you're not shooting 100 100 from the charity stripe is like what are you doing like you know what are you, are you going to classes or something like you know priorities dude. like <laughs> quit that <laughs> yeah go, go to practice you know like shoot a thousand free throws today like yeah uh, you, you know, sh- shoot 100 free throws for every missed three for that you, you've made. Um, like, I, I'm sorry to like harp on this, but like, look, man, the margin of victory that Oregon has in these games is roughly equivalent to the number of free throws that they've missed. Like, right. you know, like the, the free making your free throws, is the difference between close games and blowouts and close games and losses, like make free throws and there's no excuse. Yeah. All right. Well, no one wants to hear me rant about this just like well no it's true i mean here's we talk the thing. about there's offensive a... line play in football but i mean it is fun <laughs> like... it's a universal and, and the, the thing is it's amazing how many uh players even guys that make it to the nba have a problem with making free throws there's you know consistently you see these the, the players regardless of the level that's and it is so it, it's not physical i mean it's like like they don't have the strength to get the ball to the basket uh, and and they they show most of them show some reasonable shooting touch around the basket either close in or or maybe even in some cases a little farther out maybe maybe as far as the 15 foot free throw that they're being asked to make uh, it's just, it, it, there's so much mental stuff going on, I'm afraid, that they just, a, a lot of guys just struggle with it. And I don't know how much it's worked on in the practices. That's the other thing. And if they if they have people that evaluate mechanics of how you're shooting this shot that could can make it easier for it to, you know, not clang off the rim, but maybe just bounce softly and and be uh, be having a chance to go in. Anyway, onward. Uh, well, I mean, certainly the, the, uh, the other thing that I think is worth noting is like, you know, just because you've got to track him, you know, it's the equivalent of the quarterback in football it, it is, you know, the, the point guard, Will Richardson, um, yeah. who's, you know, looking, I, he, he's had some stretches during the season in which he looks super hot. Um, I, I don't think that he looks super dominant in these games, you know, the, 
mm-hmm. you know, he had, had a pretty good game against Nevada, but like, you know, doodling winds up making three shots, um, you know, uh, against Riverside, although he did get, you know, you know, six free throws. Um, and, uh, and, you know, only four shots, uh, uh, against Portland, you know, like I, 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 I understand that there's, you know, it's more complicated than the, the, the point guard just ri- driving to the rim and, and putting the team on his back. But like, you need to have, you need to have, like, this is modern college basketball. Um, if you don't have a point guard, who's comfortable doing that, like you're in trouble. Um, yeah. uh, against more competitive teams. There are just times when the point guard needs to put the team on his back. And like, there are times when I see R- Will Richardson do that. And there are times when I don't, and mm-hmm. boy, you know, I really want him to be pretty, you know, a lot more consistent. Um, yeah. One of his real problems is just taking care of the basketball. He sure. typically leads the team, and which I mean, you would kind of expect that in that. Yeah, he's the ball he's handler, the person with know. the ball most, right? So right. the chances are pretty good that he's going to dribble it off his foot or throw it away or whatever more than a guy who has five touches in the whole game. But um, but yeah, he he shouldn't. He, he needs to be able to just take a little bit better care of the basketball and he gets a little reckless it's not often but sometimes he gets a little reckless and tries to make a pass that's not really quite there like an interior um, pass into Dante or something and it's just um, some of that stuff should be pulled back a little bit well I you know the he, look, I mean, the, the thing that really matters is his assist numbers and assist numbers have been solid. You know, he's, he's yeah. got, I think, you know, 28 assists over these last three games. Um, he was a pretty good number. Um, he, you know, and, and his job is, you know, the, the floor manager and the floor has been managed. Well, uh, I just, you know, like I want to see the, that dude, you know, taking and making, you know, more shots. Uh, yes. you know, it's just essential to modern college basketball. Yes. Uh, all right. Any, uh, any thoughts about, uh, the, the upcoming opponent, uh, Utah Valley? I'm sure you've done intensive study on them to prepare. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm about halfway through what's probably going to be a 10 or 12 hour, um, study mm-hmm. session on Utah Valley. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, this is another, I don't know, preseason game, one warm up game, pick, pick a word that you think covers an opponent that you bring in because it's going to be an easy win and you want to, you know, you don't want to have your team go on a losing streak right before you get into the meat of your conference schedule. So I don't anticipate any real problems, uh, obviously, with Utah Valley. But again, it's not like the team has nothing to work on. And anything that they'd like to work on, they probably will be able to, um, you know, aside perhaps from from taking on a very tough defense or something like that. But uh, if they have anything, uh, you know, offensively or defensively on the rotation piece or whatever that they want to spend more time on, in a game situation, that's what this will give them an opportunity to do. And also to work on their free throws, hopefully. Well, uh, you're right. It, you know, it's a, it's a good tune up and, uh, you know, and then the last game of the, uh, calendar year, 2022, uh, resumes conference play against Oregon state, uh, which I think is not having a real great year this year. I don't believe. Shockingly. Uh, yeah. Who to thunk, uh, yeah. <laughs> an Oregon state sports team that can't get 
his pants on the same way as everybody else. Yeah, well, you know, they'll, they'll probably rally in the last, uh, you know, 10 minutes of play and, and do something horribly destructive to the Ducks and we'll all be stumped and humiliated. Uh, as as we have no fumbles. All right. Yeah, right. Uh, all right. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk about the women's side. Uh, women's hoops are sort of in a similar state. Uh, they had one, um, you know, they, they finished up PK, uh, 85. Uh, they played a, a, a tune up game against, uh, Portland. Um, they had a real fun match, uh, against Oregon state, um, uh, which they won. It was a, a bit of a thriller. Uh, the, the final score doesn't, you know, really tell tell it. But you know, they they uh, hey, they hit their free throws, man. Like that's yeah, apparently uh, all yeah, I care exactly, about. Exactly, exactly. Um, now that that Oregon State game, I mean, that, I covered that, and I was thinking, man, they're going to lose this game because they just did not look in sync at all. And then all of a sudden, late in the game, they the team came together somehow yeah. on offense and defense, and whammo. Um, they, you know, they really, uh, took Oregon state to the woodshed in that fourth quarter, um, outscored them by nine points, which was essentially the, the difference in the game. Well, I mean, I've got a theory it's, uh, as to, you know, what made him come together is Filipina Che, you know, like mm-hmm. who's, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I, I'm pretty close to falling in love. Uh, I don't, I I, I don't mean like romantically or anything. I just mean to just like, Oh my God, what a player, you know, like what an asset um, uh, to have Um, just, just incredible. And like, boy, you can build a a ball team around that, you know, Mm -hmm. six, eight, my stars. Yeah. And I mean, it's a very talented team, you know, we're sort of like doing them a disservice, but if we're only talking about one person, but like you, nobody, no, nobody in the game has an answer. Um, you know, if she's on fire and, and I mean, she really started to take over that game. Um, and I mean, you know, Oregon state has another, uh, big, um, but I mean, Oregon won that battle, you know, um, yes, right. uh, Jenna Milovich, I think, uh, um, yeah. anyway, uh, you know, that was a real fun game. I enjoyed reading your, yeah, uh, Mitrovich. Um, I, I enjoyed reading your write up of it. Uh, I thought, I thought that was actually really one of your better, um, articles to be honest. Um, oh, I, you, I, I think, uh, I think that the, the fun and the rivalry of it sort of infused it. Um, so then after, uh, uh defeating, uh, their bitter in-state rivals, um, they took on, uh, uh, th- these last couple of games against a couple of overmatched opponents. They, it is not before, um, they resume conference play. They will um, go down to San Diego, uh, this week, um, to play, uh, in a, uh, an invitational tournament. Mm-hmm. They start out against Arkansas tomorrow, um, and then, uh, and then, depending on how it goes, they will either play South Florida or Ohio State um, on on the next day on Wednesday. Um, uh, and then they come back to uh, Eugene to just to, to resume conference play. They take on both of the LA schools. Um, uh, the, you know, the the New Year's weekend, uh, the uh, Friday the thirtieth and and Sunday the first. Um, but before they do any of that, uh, they um, uh, uh, they've taken on a couple of other you know non conference uh, tune ups. And uh, boy, I hope they they got something out of these guys. I hope that someone got something out of these games. Um, you know, maybe if just a paycheck, because my goodness, um, they, you know, they started out with Eastern Washington, which they won by 50 points, five, zero. Um, 
and then followed that up against College of Charleston, South Carolina, flew all the way across the country um, from from a place where it's you know kind of warm and pleasant right now to you know the uh, uh, you know in the valley where it's a little cold. Uh, College of Charleston lost to Oregon by sixty four points, like. My goodness. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, neither of these games obviously were very competitive and it, it reminded me a little bit, you, you mentioned, I hope they at least got a paycheck. It reminded me of the days when Oregon football would go to Nebraska or someplace just because they needed the money and they'd get run off the field, you know, 56 to nothing or whatever. And, but the only reason they did it is because the athletic department needed a paycheck. Um, hopefully they got at least that out of it. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, you know, I, again, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of, you know, takeaways here. I mean, we've talked about how on the women's side, um, and I was talking to Badwater about how this appears to be true for, for volleyball as well, that like, there's just not enough talent to go around, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, division one, uh, women's college athletics, um, for particularly for the sports that require, um, a lot of size, you know, so volleyball and basketball, you know, in particular require that other, other sports, which are not so dependent on pure height, like soccer and, um, and softball and a few other sports, you know, seem to be a bit more egalitarian, but like in sports where it's like, if you're not at least five, eight, you know, you, you just don't have any business playing, um, at the division one level. Well, I'm sorry. There's just not enough of those, um, young women to go around the, the entire, you know, division one. And so you see this like really steep cliff of, uh, you know, beyond the, I don't know, the top 10, top 15 or so, um, and boy, at the bottom of that cliff are just, you know, they might as well be playing, you know, the, the middle school JV team. Like, yeah. uh, it's just like, it's not fair. Um, so did, did, <laughs> so now that I've just explained why, uh, there's no reason to think or talk about these games at all. Uh, what do you think, uh, about these games? Do you have anything to talk about? <laughs> Well, one of the good things that came out of uh, the College of Charleston game um, was some pretty good shooting generally by the Ducks, and and they had uh, five players in double figures. They had two other players uh, that scored eight and nine points, so they could have also got. So they they moved the ball around, they moved the scoring around. Um, you know, I'm sure they, they got everybody got lots of minutes. You had tons of players get you know play basically half the game, twenty minutes or more uh, for the Ducks. And you know, it was a good. Again, I don't I don't think you have you can evaluate these based on the outcome or you know. I mean, I just don't I don't think you get very much information. Um, other than the, just the joy of being able to go out on the court and play basketball today, uh, regardless of, of who the opponent is. But, um, you know, and again, the Ducks, uh, despite the opponent, I mean, you can work on things like free throws. They missed six free throws in, in the game against College of Charleston. So, you know, you're always hoping and, to and see. seven against EWU. I don't, yeah. You know, yeah. So, you're, I mean, you're just on the weekend. You're looking for, um, you know, you're looking for little, little things that are, that might be cool or might, might show a little bit of, uh, acknowledgement of an area of improvement. And, um, you know, these games don't, are, are, you know, aren't barn burners. They're not, there's nothing I like better than watching an Oregon team just curb stomp somebody, but, 
Um, it's not as much fun, for example, as the Oregon State game that we were talking about previously, where the game was tight and close and it looked like Oregon might lose it. Uh, and then they rallied for, for the big win at the end. That's, I'd much rather watch that game than either of these two recent games. Uh, good three-point shooting. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they're above 33% against Eastern Washington. They were exactly 50%, 15 for 30, um, against Charleston, which that's exceptional. Uh, 50%, you, you know, there's no such thing as, as defeating a team that is shooting 50% from beyond the arc. Like, yeah, right. You yeah. know, um, it's just not going to like, you know, any, any team that goes on a run like that is just a, I'm sorry, you can't stop that. Um, so <laughs> I hope that continues. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, it's um you know it's hard to take away any you know stuff from games in which they're winning no. you, they, they you did know, what you'd expect by an average of 57 yeah, points you know? yeah exactly that the um, only way you're going to find out anything is if they don't right yeah if right for some for some reason they can't do this against teams they should do it against that would tell you something um winning like that is does is not that valuable uh same starting lineup um, for both games, which again, like, you know, Graves, like Altman, you know, d- tends to experiment quite a bit. Um, but like, I, you know, nice to see that, uh, or I think it's a good sign, um, that it seems like he's settling into, you know, a starting group. Um, and we'll just see how they perform in San Diego. Um, you know, it's nice to have, uh, you know, frankly, it, it, it's, you know, the, the men's side plays for, you know, tune up games against joke opponents, Oregon played not joke opponents, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, not, uh, not that competitive. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure those are all, you know, very respectable players who do their best. Uh, they're not, they're not jokes at all. They didn't, they didn't deserve that. Um, the, the, but you know, Oregon plays four non-conference games, but only two of them are that kind of tune up. The other two are like, mm-hmm. you know, like Arkansas is, I think they're at 17th ranked, right. Uh, yep. uh, team and, you know, USF and Ohio state, you know, probably be credible opponents too. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I like it. I, I, you know, honestly, I'm, lo- I'm more looking forward to that than I am on the men's side, even though I feel like I've got a bunch of questions about the men's team that I want more data about, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be watching, you know, let me put it this yes. way. I have the opportunity to watch a couple different basketball games tomorrow. Um, uh, I'm definitely more interested in watching the women play Arkansas. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're going to find out a lot more about the women's team in that Arkansas game than you will the men until they get back into pack 12 play and then they're going to have to you're going to have to find out well what did they work on anything over the course of these uh gimmies that they played that they can apply or not the women are going to go right into it against arkansas and, and see where their progress is it'll be a good touchstone for how the season's progressing going into pack 12 play all right let's take a break uh we come back we'll talk about uh bo nix's return to the football team Well, certainly this was the biggest and really only important news when it comes to Oregon's quarterback room, right? Uh, that Bo Nix has announced, uh, contrary to his statement, um, when he first transferred to Oregon, you know, back in, I believe, January of this year, um, that he was, you know, going to play for one year and go to the NFL. He decided to come back for one more, um, Interestingly, because the 2020 season didn't count, you know, for either eligibility or the clock, right. 
Um, and he started playing in 2019 as a true freshman. Um, you know, he actually this year included, cause it's not done yet. He's going to play against North Carolina. He has three to play two remaining. So, you know, at the conclusion of that game, he'll have two to play one, meaning he has one season to play and it can either be in 2023 or 2024. Um, presumably it will be in 2023 and then, right. he'll be, and then it'll be done and off to the NFL. I assume that he is trying to raise his draft stock, um, a bit, um, uh, you know, I think, you know, it's interesting as a, as a, as a college quarterback, the sort of, um, dual threat label is sort of a blessing and a curse, you know, um, in the sense that like Oregon's run game was clearly built around him eliminating a defender with his threat to keep the ball. Um, and that kind of thing tends not to be part of the pro game. Um, although it eh, might be changing a little bit. Um, but like, you know, uh, uh, you know, it was to me, the thing that was remarkable about studying his film in 2022, you know, wasn't his ability to run. I think we all knew he had that ability and like, no one really doubts it. You don't really, really need to put that on film once or twice to be perfectly honest. And, and all you need to do is keep the defense, uh, you know, for you're effectively eliminating a defender by reading that defender. Um, and, and, you know, and if the defense ever, you know, doesn't honor the quarterback's threat to run. Uh, he has to be, he has to punish them for it by, you know, correctly making that read, keeping the ball and, you know, uh, running for it, which he did, you, you know, and defenses uh, up until mm-hmm. the point when he was injured, had to honor that run. He didn't have to do it very often. He really didn't like it. It was only about like two designed runs game and another couple scrambles. Um, the the thing that was you know remarkable was his passing game and you need you know that's the thing that you need to do like 20 times a game every game in order to prove to the nfl that you are you know worth paying millions upon millions of dollars and putting a franchise tag on and that was the thing of studying his film in 2022 i mean not like i hell i didn't need to do film study anybody could see it watching on saturday with the beer in their hands just like what a remarkable remarkably accurate quarterback I mean, like, and I mean, that is the signal quality of pocket passer is he can put the ball anywhere on the field and puts exactly where it needs to be. You know, is he's not throwing behind receivers or ahead of them or over them or, or beneath them. He's not putting it on their shoelaces or on the top of their helmet. He's putting it on the numbers in stride. So the receiver, you know, can turn up the, you know, downfield and, and, and get yards after uh, the catch. And like, I mean, it's close to 100% up until the point where he got injured. And then he started dirting some balls, which like, I don't, I'm not an expert in biomechanics. I can't really explain why that is, but I mean, it, it had to be related. Like, I, I mean, I can't imagine that it wasn't. Um, Well, that's what they tried. They tried to attribute that. If you watch the coverage of Oregon's games after that, they tried to attribute that to his, he couldn't get a sharp push off because of the injury and that was what was causing some mechanical problems they didn't go deeply into it but that seemed to be what people thought was going on sure i mean like i I do film study because i don't believe the commentators you know one word that comes out of their mouth but like i can't 
you know, film study allows me to gainsay them on most questions. That one, though, yes. it doesn't it doesn't help. I would need some sort of degree in biomechanics or some you know professional right. study in how quarterback throwing mechanics work, which I don't possess. But like it, they have to be correlated. I mean, it's just like to be way too much of a coincidence for him to be like a nearly perfectly accurate passer until he gets injured. And then he's not like, I mean, and it's not because of the injury. He just, you know, it just happened. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just like that. That's it's just ridiculous for that to to be a coincidence. So you know, it must be related. And so I and so assuming that he is back to a hundred percent, you know, let's all knock on wood for the bowl game. But like, I'm I'm sure he will be at a hundred percent playing in 2023. I am assuming you know the resumption of of being a purely accurate, you know, perfectly accurate quarterback. And when I say perfectly, like I'm not joking about that. Like, yeah, it's you have to really look uh, other than the games in which he's injured you've really got to look to find him throwing any kind of inaccurate ball. And you're kind mm-hmm. of nitpicking too. Like they're inaccurate <laughs> balls in the yeah. sense of like, Oh, that was slightly behind the receiver yeah, or six slightly inches under over, thrown, yeah. you know? And so like, but it's not like, I mean, I, you know, at the risk of causing Oregon fans listening to this podcast, breaking out in hives, it's not like the Anthony Brown year, you know, where yes, it was, right. where like, frequently you know i was describing uh, you know uh, the the anthony brown tax that like you need to whatever you calculate for how much oregon ought to beat the opponent by you then need to subtract seven points from it like Mm -hmm. like the the back of the amulet and raiders of the lost ark you know (laughs) (laughs) you know you need to subtract seven points to to honor the fact that some promising drive that ought to end in a touchdown is instead going to end in a punt because Anthony Brown's going to put the ball in the dirt on the third down. Um, And like, it sucks, but like, that's what it was. And like, you don't have to pay that tax with Bo Nix. You know, there's nothing written on the back of his amulet. Like, um, and uh, that is, it's the kind of thing that when you're, I guess you don't really appreciate it. I, I feel like even though, you know, the casual fan or, or the fan who's just watching on Saturdays probably knows that this is the case, they probably don't appreciate it because like, like my rant about free throws, you know, they just sort yeah. of assume, well, every pass ought to be accurate. Well, right. this ain't yeah. like free throws, you know, this is what I expect. <laughs> you know, but it ain't like free throws. Free throws, no. I expect 100% because you're, you know, the defenders aren't trying to, to kill you, right? right and like, the basket's you know, not moving around all over right, the place. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the, the basket is stationary. Receivers ain't stationary. The quarterback ain't stationary. The defense ain't stationary. Like, you you know, and you've got multiple targets to select from. And, and you know, unlike the basketball rim where there's only one rim and it's always identical, every free throw you ever take will be identical. Like, yeah, no, um, it's different. Um, and finding a quarterback who's that accurate is like it's a it's a unicorn man and oregon had a unicorn for a year and like oh man they're gonna get another unicorn um and i mean honestly go ahead i was gonna say the you know the amazing thing about it is before the i think thinking back to before the season when there was a allegedly a quarterback competition which i don't think there Mm -hmm. really was but we talked about it a little bit on a couple of different podcasts about how the quarterback room would be affected if bo started or if somebody else got the nod to start Uh, which you know in hindsight it's like well there was no chance anybody else was going to get the starting role over him but nevertheless there was a lot i mean that was my assessment was that like you have a guy who's never 
Yeah, who who'd started for three seasons at an SEC team versus, yeah. you know, somebody who'd never started. Like, I mean, right. if if anybody beat him out for that job, it would be it'd be the greatest story ever, you know? Yeah, right, exactly. And you know, there was there was a lot of concern, especially like after the Georgia game with uh the bad bow sure. thing where he lo- just in the middle of a game he just loses it for some reason and which, makes a couple of bad plays which that should be differentiated from what i was just talking about in terms yes. of accuracy like dumb right. throws and bad throws that are, are sort of different buckets you yes. know like and, and like yeah you're right he was good and like he he tried a couple of them too and just in in subsequent games and just like it didn't you know nothing bad happened ex- yeah w- w- except for that he got away with got away with it yeah yeah but like he got away with a couple against stanford he didn't get away with the one against wazoo um he got away with another one in a different game that's escaping me right now but like but they've definitely diminished in number you know it went from like two against georgia to like you know less you know zero by the end of the year yeah and the anxiety Um, level just went off a cliff i mean you know after a few games uh i think people just start stop worrying about i know i did i wasn't like i was thinking oh my god he's gonna have a stretch where he does something crazy or dumb um and not not that he never did but i just stopped worrying about it well, yeah, and, and I mean, I think it's appropriate to use those terms because I sort of feel like I, you know, I'm not a big fan of putting college football players on the couch and, and psychoanalyzing them or anything. But like that was, very, you know, the reason why this last off season I was predicting good things out of Bo Nix was, you know, I thought it was a pretty simple formula that, like, you know, I have now been studying. I uh, I maintain a, a, a database for every Pac-12 team and also all the opponents, you know, big out-of-conference opponents that Oregon plays. So, you know, I usually wind up building out a database for like 14, 15 teams every year, and I have been doing that for a long time. So I have like a pretty extensive database, and what I have noticed in terms of transfers is that transfers can plug holes, but they don't really play at a different level Um uh, than their previous school because it's determined right. by your talent level. And, you know, folks who go on and on and on about development and like, oh, we can f- get diamonds out of the rough and turn them into NFL players. No, you can't. Or, you know, like he sucked at his old school, but he'll do great with us. Nah, it doesn't happen. Um, uh, there isn't, there's one and a half exceptions. The half exception is defensive linemen. You need to have the right body to, cause a three down defensive front and a four down defensive front are different. It require different body types. And if you're the body type for one and you're playing in the other, then like you, you can improve by going to one, which is better fit for your, um, your body type. But the other one right. is quarterback and like quarterbacks really the exception. Like it really is the case that like, the, the the quarterback can click with a coaching staff and and that that they don't click with the his old coaching staff and that his success is also in large part you know determined or can be constrained by the 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 rest of the players around him so the offensive line quality the wide receiver quality um and like i thought it was a pretty simple formula you know that that like from this film that i studied uh for for auburn which i i did a lot of you know including kenny dillingham because like he was oregon's offensive coordinator and he was you know coach that year at, at at auburn so i studied that film um you know the the uh, his offensive line at Auburn stunk and his wide receivers stunk. And um, uh, he usually only had like one real wide receiver to throw to who was good. Um, but like, that's not enough. Um, yeah. and, and like the offense was, I mean, he was throwing something, you know, like 
like 40% of his passes to running backs and fullbacks. Um, um, like not even like tight ends, um, like fullbacks, like straight up, like that dude's a fullback. Um, and, uh, and, and the, you know, the reason why I said, I thought it was appropriate to talk about the psychological factors. Like it really, it seemed obvious from watching his Auburn tape that like he was trying to win games single-handedly because if he wasn't, then, you know, then it wasn't going to happen. Gonna, yeah. They were going to win. Yeah. And, and like that dude's a competitor, you know, he, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to take the loss lying down, you know, like he's going to try. And like, I sort of, I felt like at the beginning of the year, I was seeing, you know, some of that stuff that we were, the dumb stuff that we were seeing out of him felt like, uh, you know, some Auburn era, you know, where, where he's like, well, I gotta, I gotta win this game on my own. And like, you know, and, and then I think he sort of realized, you know, within the first month or so at Oregon that like, oh, this is different. I have an offensive line that can protect me and I've got mm-hmm. lots of receivers to throw to. And um, and he sort of chilled out. And honestly, I think that was a big part of him deciding to come back. You know, I'm speculating and putting him on the couch again, which I just said that I hate doing. But like, I got to think that that's a connect. It's just like he. He, he probably thought that this was a one and done year because like, oh man, like how can I do this, you know, for, for more than one season? Um, and then he, I think like maybe for the first time in his, his career, he felt like what it was like to be like on a team where he didn't have to single-handedly one win games, you know, yes. and like be the coach on the field and so far. Then I think he sort of was like, Hey, this is a good place to be, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, you know, obviously like a, any Oregon fan likes to hear stories about how it's nice to be at Oregon. And so like, there's a, there's a real danger in sort of talking yourself out into uh, that kind of appealing narrative. But like, man, I, I comment this from a bunch of angles. Like, I really just think that that's probably a big part of it. Like, I think it was, I definitely think it was a big part of his success. I can, I can say that with a hundred percent confidence and objectivity that like the reason why he was successful at Oregon and less successful at Auburn is because the pieces around him, because it's a better team. And like, and I can't help but think that he would have noticed those things and that would have figured into like, he probably noticed them more immediately and more, you know, had a more full appreciation of them than I possibly could. So like, yeah, how could it not have figured into his, it's got to, it had, you know, the, the, your personal comfort. I mean, I mean, it's not just in college football, but I mean, your personal comfort in the place you work or whatever, uh, is something that impacts your decision making. It has to. And if you're comfortable uh, and happy, you're more likely to stick with whatever it is that you're doing than if, as you say, he felt pressured at Auburn to do everything, to be the guy all the time. Uh, that would get old pretty fast, uh, unless you're the type of, of person who likes that sort of pressure and thrives under it. But I don't think most people do. Yeah. And the other thing I can say from doing films, like there's going to be plenty of time to talk about, you know, the other, the rest of the recruiting class and how Nick's decision may have affected, you know, other people deciding to commit or not commit to Oregon. Um, let's shelve that for now. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, we've got plenty of time to talk about it. You know, what I would, uh, what I can contribute to the discussion as the film reviewer for this team, um, and for other teams, uh, 
you know, is, you know, having evaluated the entire PAC 12 plus, you know, some other teams, you know, I was watching, uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, Georgia, and I've been watching Drake may, um, at, uh, you know, I watched, you know, I did film study on three different Heisman, you know, finalists, right? Uh-huh. Like I watched all of Caleb right. Williams. I've watched literally every film, uh, uh, every game that Caleb Williams has played. Cause I, cause you know, Oregon had the, the Oklahoma, you know, Alamo bowl, uh, last season. And then I watched every one of USC sees games in anticipation of a title game against USC, which didn't happen for frustrating reasons. Um, but, you know, I watched every one of Stetson Bennett's games in 2021. I've now watched um, with, I've still got two to go, but I've all watched every, almost every one of Drake May's games at North Carolina. Um, although he was in a Heisman finalist, he should have been though. He's a better quarterback. Um, that he's definitely a better quarterback than Max Duggan. He's definitely a better quarterback than uh, Stetson Bennett. Um, he's, uh, I can't comment on the other um, quarterback who made it. Um, um <laughs> Uh, uh, but like, uh, you know, uh, I can make direct comparisons between him and Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is a more gifted athlete than, uh, Drake may is, but Uh Drake may is a better quarterback. Um, yeah. It is astonishing. He's, he's, it is astonishing what Drake may is doing. Um, and like he, he's playing for a team that's much less talented than USC is and doesn't develop talent very well either. Like, that's yeah, a, yeah. I don't know. I'll talk more about North Carolina next week, <laughs> you know, but like yeah. Drake may is the only, like if the Heisman really is a most valuable player award, Drake may is definitely the most valuable player. Like wow. I, that team, he, I mean, they, they lost to Georgia tech, a team they definitely shouldn't have lost to. And it was simply because he had an off night and mm-hmm. like every other game, they, they, the rest of their team played the same way against Georgia Tech that they played in every other game. And the difference between winning and losing was that Drake May had an off night, which I know I'm not saying anything that's particularly like surprising. Um, when I say that, because like, you know, find me a team that plays great when the quarterback's not playing great. But I mean, dude, that's it. Like that team start, starts and stops with Drake May. Anyway, the point of this was to talk about Bo Nix. Bo Nix should have been in New York. Um, I've watched all these dudes, uh, and like, I, um, like Caleb Williams is a more gifted athlete. Um, Drake may is a more, um, like just sort of a, like put the team on his back kind of dude. Cause he has to, there's mm-hmm. so much quarterback draw running in that offense. And there's so much scrambling cause his offensive line stinks so bad. And like yeah. Bo Nix had the benefit of all those dudes of having by far the best offensive line, way better than USC's way, 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 way better than North Carolina's. Their offensive line is just atrocious. Um, you know, better than TCU's better than, uh, uh, I would say better than Georgia's to be, to be honest, wow. actually not super wild about Georgia's offensive line. I mean, I'm not saying that they're bad or anything, but like right. there's a reason why the rush offense, especially in 2021 was not like the greatest thing. Um, but anyway, um, you know, so Bonix definitely has that advantage, like, you know, and you know, the, the other news, you know, that sort of hit the pack 12 is all, all these quarterbacks coming back, right? Like Caleb Williams is coming back. Michael Penix is coming back. Uh, Cam rising, I think might be coming back um and like you know honestly i would take bonix over all of them i know that caleb williams just took just won the heisman but like williams is much more inconsistent than bonix is like williams has williams has bad games like he played a bad game against oregon state 
you know, he played, you know, pretty uh, inconsistently uh, against a couple of teams. Like he has, you know, he had a bad quarter against Colorado, which I know is just a quarter, but it was against Colorado, you know. Right, like, yeah, you wouldn't expect you know, that. Yeah. It's not because of Colorado's defense that that happened. It was because of Caleb Williams taking a quarter off, you know, and I'm not saying he's lazy or anything. I just mean that he had an off quarter, which like – Bo Nix hasn't had an off quarter. He didn't have an off moment until he had that injury late in the Washington game. Um, like that, that level of consistency cannot like with, you know, I, I looked at the dudes who were invited to New York for that Heisman ceremony and none of them are as consistent as Bo Nix. And the, I swear to God for anybody who's listening to this, who's not an Oregon fan, you know, might be rolling their eyes at this like Homer. I'm not joking about this dude. Like I, I the reason why I let off and, and wound up talking about Drake may for 10 minutes is that like, I studied all of these dudes. When I say that somebody is more consistent, it is because I did make your eyes bleed level of film study on these people. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying no one can ever challenge me. I definitely like hearing people challenging me. It definitely keeps me sharp and I enjoy it. But like, good luck finding somebody who's do, done more film study on these guys than me. And good luck finding somebody who would disagree with the statement that, you know, who's who's competent in order to make that evaluation that Bo Nix is a more consistently accurate quarterback than those dudes. Um, yeah. Give me Bo Nix. I'm, I'm really Absolutely. excited about him. He had a great season and, and I'm just sorry he got injured because I think uh, there were greater things ahead for the ducks. Uh, if he'd been able to play at full capacity the yeah. whole season. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. I will we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for us, Thorms? Uh, I have no, I don't even have any wisdom at all, much less parting words about it, but um, mm, looking forward to, uh, you know, some of these hot basketball games coming up here um, this week and then the following week and, and obviously the bowl game. Uh, yes, I will. I, I'm, I'm finishing up my film study, uh, you know, to, to basically tomorrow, um, on North Carolina, we have an interview lined up, um, for the, I believe the locked on heels podcast. Uh, I always look forward to those. Um, and I should be, uh, publishing, uh, my article previewing that game on, uh, uh Monday or Tuesday. I haven't decided yet, uh, after Christmas, um, uh, but obviously before the, right. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, it's going to be interesting because like a big part of it is going to be, you know, the, who exactly is going to be playing, which is why I'm delaying yes. it, you know, this late. Yeah. Like I really, and I'm really going to be really grilling hard, our, yeah. I, I'm really, really going to be grilling our, our interview subject, you know, on, on, you know, I've got a long list of like, are you sure this guy's going to be playing? What about this guy? Mm-hmm. He looked kind of banged up, you know, kinda, I've, I've got a bunch of questions about that. So like, stay tuned yeah. everybody. Um, you know, if you care about this bull game, which, you know, it should actually be a pretty good bull game. Um, yeah, uh, 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 yeah, you're not going to find any better preparation for it than than uh, than what's coming for you on Addicted to Quack. Uh, nor will you find any better basketball coverage. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that from you, Storms. Fantastic. All right, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>